you know, avoiding black and white thinking is a general important thing in health. You know, um, we, we, we're, um, you know, we need to get away from this, it's good for me, it's bad for me, uh, kind of total dichotomy. Things are better and worse. Things are more or less balanced. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to our Ask the Expert podcast series. I'm Julia Wellstead, and I'm part of the HG team. Now, today we've got Dr. Andrew Morris joining us to talk about why having a healthy mind and body matters. Now, as well as being an HG practitioner, Andrew is a GP in Somerset, where he has been a partner for about 20 years, I think, in a busy medical practice. And he's also had a lifelong interest in nutrition. And he's developed and tutors the Mind-Body Connection course for Human Givens College. And I have to say, it's a course I've attended and can wholeheartedly recommend. So hello, Andrew. Thank you for being part of our podcast. Hi, hi. Hi, how are you? Pretty well, I'd say. Um, it's what you would call a soft day down here. Uh, what does that mean? Not too uh, busy? Nice and wet. The oh, plants, wet. Right. The, the plants are getting a good, uh, a good watering. So right. the, well, it's one of those gentle days. Yes, we have, to, we have to allow rain sometimes, don't we? we do. it's, uh, it's a good, we a good do. thing. Yeah, yeah. Into each life, a little rain must fall, as they That's say. That's right, yes. Mm. So, Andrew, you're feeling well. So you're obviously uh, practicing what you preach in terms of nutrition and fitness and health and the mind-body connection. Yes, one tries. Right. I, I, ha I had a rule as a doctor never to, to recommend anything that I wouldn't be prepared to do myself. Oh, wow. Um, that's, that's it, pretty good. Right. It's, a kind of, it's an interesting rule. I mean, obviously, it has its limits. But, you know, as a practitioner, it's quite interesting to, to just say, well, would I do that? Uh, yes. You know, if I was in that person's situation, it just yes. helps with the sort of sense of, uh, of trying to enter the other person's world, I think, a bit. Yeah. Very much like that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I do try to do as I, I do try to do as I say, indeed. <laughs> mm. Nutrition and fitness and health is very much in the news and media these days and yeah. well-being and how not to be stressed and anxious and things like that. And our, our physical health as well as our mental health is under a lot of stress these days. So that's kind of the, the interest in that is why we've asked you to share your knowledge today. Mm. Um, I just thought, seeing as your, your mind-body connection day really resonated with me and I came out just feeling I'd learned so much. So I wonder, and that is kind of part of this first person's questions, question is, is what's your mind-body connection day about? So maybe we'll kick off with that. Well, it's it's um, it's interesting. We we've got a we've got a language. It's probably not even Descartes' fault. I think in the West we have an idea of the mind being separate from the body. Yes. Uh, that's got an even longer history than Descartes. I think Descartes just kind of so, sort of cast it in a sort of form of uh, mental concrete, um, which we've been living with ever since. And essentially, the mind-body connection is is uh, I think of it more as a verb than a than a, a noun. In the sense that um, mm. we we need to remember that this is an integrated whole system, rather than discrete things. You know, we talk about mental and physical health as if they were separate, but actually, um, that's that's sometimes a convenient uh, way of simplifying a situation down. So we're just focusing on what mainly needs attention at the particular time. But actually, it's kind of it's sort of uh, it's an unhelpful idea in the main. And across yes, the I see that actually. I hadn't thought of that before, but that's very interesting, isn't it? Yeah. So, so it's so the mind-body connections are something that we do. <laughs> we, yeah. we we remember or realize or explore what's actually already there. It's not. It's it it, it it's um, it's it's more it's more us becoming aware of reality. I'd say uh, yes. rather than a thing. Although the emotions, the emotions in a sense do act, and we can maybe come on to talk about a bit more about emotions later. But um, you know, the emotional, big emotional responses like fight and flight are, in some ways, you know, could be considered the bridge. Um, but, Absolutely, yes. Yeah. But and I always love the fact that emotion is sort of yes. uh, that the word means it, mm. it's something that makes you do something. Exactly, it's a preparation for an expected outcome, and so it, it that that the, 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 that proper understanding of emotion really fits well with the human givens model because you've got a pattern match which is essentially a prediction, and then the physiology flows into a state that that is a preparation 
for that expected outcome. And of course, HG therapists are incredibly familiar with this, you know, fight and flight activation that you see in phobia and trauma and all the rest of it and all sorts of other emotional pattern matches, some of them pleasant, of course. So, yeah, yeah the, 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 the emotions are preparing, are essentially preparing the, the organism for action in some ways. Yes, uh, that, that, you know, hungry, go and find something to eat. Absolutely. Um, fear, fearful, find out what it is or run away from it. Absolutely. I may need to fight or flight. Uh, I'm, I've, I'm, I'm, a lot of um, feelings of care and love and connection are actually effectively preparation states to deepen or form a new bond, a, a new social or emotional mm. bond. You know, we're actually putting our, our, whole, our whole being into a stance where that becomes what, almost in a sense what we're preparing to do, uh, which of course is a really pleasant emotional state to be in yes uh, and, and and actually rather conducive to long-term health yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so which emotion- actually brings us neatly on to a very mm. difficult second question now where i think uh, definitely within the human givens approach i've learned for sure to unpack terms that aren't terribly helpful on their own yes. and this second question what is health oh yes that's a biggie. <laughs> and I've noticed actually a friend of mine, um, she said, I'm, I'm getting fed up because she knows what I do for a living. And she said, Jules, I'm getting fed up with hearing sort of he's got mental health and such yeah. like on the, on the radio. So as if me- having mental health is a problem. Whereas, of course, if someone's yes. not got mental health, they're mentally ill, perhaps. But these terms are all very much nominalizations and what do yes. we mean? So what do we mean by health, mental or physical? Well, it's, it, it's a good one, isn't it? I mean, there, there was a tendency to see, there's a tendency, I think, to see health as, leaving aside this very interesting terminology around mental yes. health, which we might want to come back to because it is quite an interesting cultural moment, which seems to have happened in the last year or two in my on my radar yes yes uh, yep, absolutely most of a degree um but but the the broadest the broader question of health is is um you know there, there was a i think cultures have defined health differently in in the second half of the 20th century there was a tendency to to see health as the abolition or absence of disease you know no yes. bad things happening um, there was in the World Health Organization definition of health, there was actually a kind of sense of perfection in, in that it was a sort of complete absence of disease and a total uh, sort of... Yes, I remember uh, that quote. Uh, you you yes. might have it written there, have you? But I, yes. Yeah, um, and, and, and essentially this is um, being superseded, I think, by a much more uh, sort of um, human Givens-esque model of health in, in the sort of general discourse in that there's this idea that really health is... The organism being in its its optimum state of being able to manage itself, balance itself internally, and to uh, adapt to circumstances, and to it meshes quite well with the idea of resilience, which has become another nominalization, of course, in recent years. Yes. But but it's the sense that the conditions and the state of the organism are such that you've got your optimum ability to grow, develop, and cope with challenges. And, and so it's yeah. not a state of perfection. It's always in a state of flux. And the nice thing about this idea of adapting and self-managing as health is that it means you could have a chronic illness or a fixed physical deficit, like a missing part of some description, and still sort of attain a health within that set of parameters, within that set of givens of your life. I um, like that, yes. And of course, we're, this is to do with homeostasis, I suppose, that, that our body is always trying to get back to that situation where everything's working and everything's in balance. Yes, yes. It, it's, it, the, the body's always trading off and balancing multiple different processes. So it's, 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 it's swinging between demand and maintenance mode, for instance, all the time. Um, so the, the maintenance mode is quite restful, it's quite restorative. Um, whereas the demand mode, we need some of, of course, we need a bit of demand in our lives. We need a bit of stretching, <laughs> frankly, <Yes. laughs> you know, and, and that's for, but not just mental and, and sort of um, uh, mental stretching, sort of meaning stretching. It's also actually, we can see quite clearly that in the physical plane, our, our, our bodies, <laughs> got, you know, on the physical side, we need, we need to be stretched. And Absolutely, we need to be yes. 
yes yeah. or, or or we're just sort of going to get too soft and when something exactly. does require to be uh achieved or a yeah. challenge uh, successfully met we, yeah. we need to be fit for that yeah so it, it it's it's having a it's having the right balance between demand and re restoration and having that not be always in one mode, so you're all relaxation and restoration and no demand, or conversely, all all stretch, all demand, all stress. Um, my um, I, my niece has just gone back to work after a a, a stretch up. A phase away from work and and mm -hmm. she said to me the other day she was worried about going back to work but she said you know there's only so many spas and massages i can have <laughs> <laughs> so she'd obviously reached that limit of restfulness <laughs> she's reached peak spa that's right <laughs> and it's time, time time for some stress <laughs> time for a body perhaps or, or right. a spell on a mountaintop with nothing but yes. for shelter absolutely yes yeah <laughs> so okay we've established what health is pretty much there yeah. that's very good uh, what are the main things that help a person remain healthy well i think joe and ivan just answered this beautifully it's it's um and essentially, that was the joy of putting together the Mind Body Connection Day was that uh, I kind of uh, established, I got in, started that process of developing that course with a kind of working hypothesis that, that the HG working model uh, would apply across the board to health, not just to uh, mental health and emotional and social well being. And it is indeed the case. If we look, if we look at, once we establish clearly what all the different um, uh, needs are, um, you know, not just our our emotional and social needs, but our physical needs. And once we've got a clear view of what are the key resources that need to be developed, and we and we meet those needs and develop those resources and balance. And of course, the environment has to be part of that story. There's a, it's a three-legged stool. Certainly, the way I think of it uh, is is that that if we get that uh, in a balance and a good enough balance then what we get is, is health. Because it's not perfection, you see. It's never, it, it, it's always a dynamic process. But essentially health is having that, having that adding up and balancing out properly the, the, all of our different needs, our resources, and the environment. And so, um, you know, that's, that's, I think that that is basically, in a sense, one wants to come back to it and realize how well that works. It's not surprising it works so well because the, the central model of human givens is a biological idea. It's all yes. about an organism and its, and its, and its resources. So actually, it's, yes. nice. it's nice. The course, in a way, brings us back full circle. <laughs> uh, to, to, to where Joe and Ivan started, which is yes. what does it take for a living organism to stay yeah. alive and thrive? Yep. And of course, their big mission was to, to improve and clarify the world of psychological therapy. And so they focused on that, but actually the model works, just works. And I'm sure people, uh, you meet, um, met a colleague uh, at um, a recent day that I was sitting in on, actually, who works with horses. And, and she found that you could work with the horses using the sort of what you would call the equine givens totally. model. It's, you know, it's, yeah. it's, uh, it's a lovely idea. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. I, I, I wrote an article week, last week about... Um, how we should be applying it to the planet, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. I should just actually say for any listeners who don't know who we mean by Joe and Ivan, that that's Joe Griffin and Ivan Turrell, who are the founders of the Human Givens Approach. So just pop that one in there. So here, the, this sort of homes in on exercise, this next question, mm -hmm. um, how much exercise, and I think it's a piece of string, but anyway, how much exercise do we have to do to help us to have a healthy body and mind? Well, that, 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 I mean, I think, I think there's an official answer. We know, we know that moderate exercise, 20 to 30 minutes a day, five or more days a week will, uh, you know, have a significant and, and um, very appreciable effect on well-being and rate of dying rather than mortality. I don't like the word mortality, but, but you know, we, we, we last better. Um, yes. if, we, if we exercise like that. But actually, we also know that uh, simple pottering about, standing up, moving, lifting, carrying, bending, stretching, walking from one place to the next is very important. And it also... There's, the, yes, there's a term for that, isn't it? The yes, na nano exercise or what... Um, uh, oh, that's a nice one. I've not heard that one, but neat is the one I... It, it, neat. Neat that's is it. a very... I just 
Yeah. I just made up the other one. Yes. Well, it's it's very nice. I like nano exercise. I mean, for a lot of us, nano exercise is the biggest <laughs> exercise we get. But actually, that that sort of pottering around is incredibly important. The average person who does not lead a completely sedentary life is burning far more calories uh, on this what we call neat non-exercise activity thermogenesis. Uh, they, they, they're burning much more on that than they would with their half hours exercise that the guidelines recommend. And, and, the, and then the other part of it is that actually quite intense effort has another set of effects. So, I mean, it's clear that we've got these physical resources, you know, our muscular, skeletal and neurological system are highly adapted to manipulate the environment and move about in it. And actually, we, it's got all sorts of modes you know, from, from the gentle pottering around or just standing through to, you know, intense effort, you know, lifting mm. something heavy, running fast, you know, climbing something difficult through to the sort of, you know, and then in the middle, you've got what we tend to think of as exercise. And it looks like the system likes for all of those resources to be activated. I, I always think back to, um, you know, the the good old days or the bad old days depending <laughs> how you think when we had to run to catch our food and right. build fires and defend ourselves and yes. of course all of that there was a lot of steady exercise and then there was a lot of sort of running to yeah. for many days sometimes to get to the prey or the yeah. food source yeah. or whatever yeah lots lots of different levels of lots of different kinds and levels of activity and i think also the other thing that we tend to forget is that those primary lifestyles tended to involve quite a lot of dancing and ritual activity some of which actually was incredibly intense ah, um look at the sort of um ritual dancing uh, that survives, you know, still in parts of Africa. That's a very, very intense state that they're going into, not just uh, the trance state, but they're going into it through intense physical action. Yes. It's rather yes. fascinating. That's really interesting, isn't it? I mean, of course, we use that. Human given therapists will sometimes use that as a way of helping a person get into guided imagery. Won't they? You know, use, use movement. You mean? Physical yes, they, they might actually yes. get the person to imagine themselves at the gym or running or something yep. like that. If that's the thing that the person finds most relaxing and familiar. Yeah, uh, I, if this, yes. I, I, I do like these conversations because that's a new piece of understanding that's just come out in this conversation, isn't it? That's lovely. <laughs> yes, yes, that's always good. I've, yeah. I've a couple of my clients spring to mind. One wanted her relaxation to be cycling very fast along a busy road which I thought was fascinating. Uh, yes. Um, but she said that's when my brain has to totally focus and not be distracted. Yeah, yeah. Um, and for another person, it was swimming, which I could understand more. I, I yes. love swimming, so I could see yes. that was. But uh, in both cases, um, when they were in guided imagery, I could see their bodies sort of micro-moving those, yeah. those things, cycling or swimming. Uh, yeah, it's Which, interesting, isn't it? And yes. of course, that's one of the lovely things about the human givens model. You know, we are really, we're really invited to always try and use what the patient brings and, and, and to enter their model of reality. So, and it gives us such a nice way of understanding these seemingly odd uh, ways in. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, Not everybody wants to drift along a beach or no, whatever. No. And, and, <laughs> yes. and again, you know, talking about, uh, you know, I've, I've treated people, one does. I mean, I think this is quite a common experience for human given therapists. You know, for some, for some people, relaxation is when they've been attacked, when they've let yeah. their guard down. And so you have to find another way in. So, yes, yeah. we, were, we were on exercise, I think. Sorry, yes. <laughs> Moving along. <laughs> but I think also um, exercise does get people into trances. So, so I think that's what we've come round to, and trances can be very pleasant and productive places to be. Well, the, and that's uh, people who long-distance run or yeah. any sort of exercise where they sort of go through that wall of, yeah. uh, and, and presumably there's a lot of endorphins and things involved, uh, hormones yes. involved. And endocannabinoids. Ooh, yes. there's, a, there's a very light cannab cannabinoid sort of state that you go into with extending running as well. It's not just a morphine-like, but also a cannabis-like state. Interesting. Uh -huh. uh -huh. <laughs> Even better. That, which which yes. kind of you know, helps us to understand that. Yes, you begin to understand where the addiction, the addictive side of this 
uh, comes from. Um, well, and of I, course, I, yeah, so, people so get addicted to running as well. So they do. Yeah. And, and I've had, I've had a patient recently who'd become addicted to cannabis and uh, I was able to help him see that through that that very clear piece that I originally got from Joe Griffin, which is you know I'm sure Ivan has said the same thing, where where um, you know a drug can only work because there's a natural process that the drug is is essentially hacking. Yeah. So we can only respond to opiates because our body would produce opiates in certain conditions. We can only respond to cocaine because we're built to respond to dopamine. We can only, you know, so, yes, so just, our, our body has to recognize it. It has to have, a, an, a, there has to be a pattern that the body's expecting to meet internally and to match. And we're just putting in a false pattern match essentially with the drug. And, and what we're doing with, um, but this guy, you know, I was really able to help him to unpack his addictions. Uh, you know, the, 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 the smoking side of it, the relaxation, the, the cannabis-like state that he had previously got at the gym and that he was now getting from cannabis. So, you know, once one understands this, you can help people to put things back into their original configuration. So the resources yes. are being activated in, in the way that evolution originally expected them to be, um, rather than in artificial and problematic ways, you know? And I, for so many people, just understanding that, as obviously yeah. was the case with that client, um, makes yeah. such a, there's a huge light bulb moment there, isn't there? Yeah, and it also, good explanation always helps to get people off the hook. Um, I, I think that a really sound piece of explanation, get very correct, it, it absolves people of guilt, but it gives them the correct amount of responsibility from that point onwards. Nice. Yes, I like yeah. that. So, yeah. so, yes. Because we often get into this with health, you know, either the client is a blameless and perfect human being who's just had terrible misfortune or or, you know, or, or then people can swing into the other, the black and the white, I, I beat, beating themselves up, it's all it's my all fault. It's all my fault, yeah. And actually, of course, the productive, once we can calm down and we've got a clear map of any given situation, usually it's pretty clear what's the environment, what they can influence, what they can't, what you can help change, you know, that you, you get to a kind of accurate division of who can act who's responsible yeah. for what you know yes and what can be done um, so it's yes yeah. it's that ownership so, i like that yeah. yes yes um i've got three e's written down <laughs> and i seem to remember uh <laughs> exercise eating and probably emotions from yeah. your from your training day the uh, mind body connection day so and the next there's a couple of questions here that move on to diet so shall we, shall we yeah let's talk, talk about that let's, let's talk about that so <laughs> the first was there are lots of phrases we use about diet such as yeah. you are what you eat yeah have a balanced healthy diet are these sort of phrases helpful or are they <laughs> what's going on yes. there old wives tales my mother used to say everything in moderation, everything in moderation. Everything in moderation. That is a fantastic <laughs> one. I was just thinking about that this afternoon. Everything in moderation. Well, as a doctor, what I can tell you is that a moderate dose of paracetamol is four grams a day, whereas a moderate dose of digoxin, a heart medicine, would be 125 micrograms. Four grams of digoxin would land you in would hospital. That would be big trouble, yes. So, so moderation, there's this kind of, the moderation in all things kind of, it's, I don't think it's a very helpful idea unless you really understand what a moderate amount of the, all these different things actually is. Yes. It's not the same. We can't, as I, as I would, I, I, I have a little quip which seems to help some patients and clients more than others. I say a, a balanced diet doesn't just mean taking something from every aisle in Tesco's. <laughs> yeah, because yes. some of those aisles, frankly, are you know doom laden places. Whereas other others, you could you could really well do with filling half your trolley there. Yeah, and and um, and so these ideas are kind of fine, but they need a lot of tuning because they're kind of comforting. Uh, and sort of they relieve you of a kind of sense of burden of guilt, but they don't do it accurately enough. Yeah. You know? And I think it's still, it still sort of rankles with me. I now eat a lot of plants, by the way, which yeah. was already happening in my life, but was hugely pro promoted by your, uh, your training day. 
And uh, it, it sort of annoys me where this balanced diet is still being portrayed as, you know, almost meat and two veg. Um, yeah, well, there are, of course, a, 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 a very energetic and, and highly motivated group of people that feel that that is a model. I mean, I've got, uh, this is not the occasion to try and burrow deeply into why that's not the main model that I present in my teaching. <laughs> But um, I think I think that there's um, that this idea of balance is is um, what it needs to be illustrated with accurate information. So if we look at populations which live the longest with the longest disease-free span of life, uh, they all share a, a very common characteristic, which is that the diet consists mainly of unprocessed. Uh, whole plant foods of various kinds. They're not vegans, they're not vegetarians, they wouldn't put themselves in any category. These people have just got their culture. Yeah. Uh, but actually the, the, the balance is very strongly that way. So that's, that, that's the main, uh, and then once we've got that piece, I think, clear, it's much easier to read the rest of uh, the information. Uh, you know, th those are the healthiest populations. So balance, isn't equal quantities it's actually it, it there's a preponderance yes, uh, yes with the unprocessed plant foods and this is the case even for hunter-gatherers hunter-gatherer diets are based on a on a foundational layer of tubers uh seeds um and 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 quite starchy uh foods in fact and those are their that's their base layer and then and then they'd have bonanzas of honey for instance or, or meat, and those are the kind of like great. Now we're we're off subsistence, <laughs> yes. <laughs> into yes. having having kind of topped up and and kind of protected ourselves against potential dearth. So so you know these high calorie, high fat, high salt, high sugar foods, um, culturally going way back millennia have have had high rank. But that doesn't mean to say that people have eaten a lot of them. Well, they ate them when they were available, which exactly. unfortunately for us, they're constantly available now, which they <laughs> definitely wouldn't have been. Uh, yes. So, so to come back to another uh, one of these comforting homely phrases, a little bit of what you fancy does you good, but a little uh, bit of what you fancy tends to lead inexorably onto a little bit more, <laughs> a little bit more. Which doesn't do you good. Yes. And eventually, or sometimes quite soon. <laughs> you find that it's not doing you so much good. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, we're, we're, we're evolved to deal with scarcity and hardship primarily. Uh, and we've, we've um, engineered the world so that that isn't the case any longer for most of us and certainly not in the West. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we're not adapted to it. We're not adapted to having a constant supply of, of food of any sort. No. Let, al let alone the high sugary, carby ones. Um, yeah, well, your 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 mention of unprocessed food reminded me of something. Somebody, I don't think it was you, but correct me if I'm wrong, saying to me, "If you have to read the label to find out what it is, don't buy it." Yes, we're we're st I think we're still working towards a kind of because again, like all these things, I mean, I I offer I offer my patients two key questions to ask about food. Um, the first question has it come from an animal or a plant. And the second question is, has it been processed? Yeah. Now, of course, the, the thing is that actually processing takes all sorts of forms and some processing is very helpful. You know, potatoes, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, better. Po Tomatoes, poison, poisonous if you don't do something yeah, to them. Well, they're not so much, I think they're just very, very unpleasant. Uh, and, and tomato is much more nutritious cooked. So, so, so some processing, we can't just make it black and white. But, but as a rule of thumb, in, once an industrial type process has been applied, this tends to be really unhelpful. If it requires machinery, factories, if there's a degree of chemical engineering involved, as there is with most oil extraction, interestingly, um, you know, the, what, as soon as the food stops containing whole food ingredients and starts to contain, you know, isolates of various kinds, then you tend to be in trouble. Yes. Grains switch dramatically. Whole grains are incredibly health-promoting. Refined grains, uh, and the more refined they are, the worse they are for our health. And there's a beautiful example. Brown rice protects you against diabetes, and white rice helps to promote it. Same Gosh, food. Is it just the same, the, it, the same thing from the same plant. Uh, yeah. 
that's but, just had that it's that outer casing then is it that's it's it's all of the it's the balance of nutrients and balance, fiber and stuff right. that just tips it from one one to the one yeah. to the other yeah so we, we we're constantly tinkering with nature mm. and some of that's good but we we tend to not necessarily know like the sorcerer's apprentice when to stop yes yes <laughs> and what that moving on to this next question what do you make of uh trends such as uh, i almost don't want to call it a trend but anyway such as veganism or low carb diets or high protein diets or you yeah. know well, I have I have separate objections to those two types of category. <laughs> Objection being, uh, you know, I, I just want to raise these questions really, um, because nothing's ever entirely good or bad. Um, there are insights to be offered by all those different movements, uh, and they've all got something to contribute to our understanding of health. But I think there are some sort of foundational flaws. For instance, if we look at what I call category identity-based diets, like vegan, you're saying I'm a carnivore, or I'm a vegan, or I'm a vegetarian. These are just mental cultural categories. If we look at a supposed plant-eating animal like a cow, it's hoovering up lots of animals in, the, in a pasture. Of it course it insects is. and worms yes. and all sorts of things. And in fact, if you take animals out of, and they're not ingesting all of those things in the soil, then they, they can't get hold of vitamin B12, which we're told we have to get from animals. But it's actually coming from the digestive tracts um, of animals. Um, so, oh, really? Gosh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Including, yeah. to be fair, the cows and the sheep and things. But it's actually, B12 is produced by bacteria, not by sheep, uh, cattle, and pigs themselves. Um, How fascinating. Another thing well, I didn't I'm know. Slightly going off the point here about so the point is that the cow isn't the cow wouldn't isn't a vegan. <laughs> yes. Okay. Chimpanzees eat a, a, an overwhelmingly plant-based diet, but when the food runs out, they'll hunt. Yeah. Uh, you know, animals do not put themselves in these categories. We and and the point about these categories is it comes back to the one of these homilies that you mentioned earlier. We are what we eat. Mm. Um, the, uh, the diet, dietary patterns are strongly um, tied into group and individual identity um, and it's one of the challenges for people if, if their group and individual identity diet is in fact harmful uh, either in general known to, con known to um, uh, give excess risk or if it's actually they're in a disease state which it's worsening uh, then that's one of the obstacles for people to change because there's a there's a probably a, a large minority of people um, who are very happy experimenters with diet they don't mind changing their diet all the time they find it rather interesting but most people for them it's really really strongly tethered in to their sense of who they are and they they get profound a sense of sometimes a stronger word would do as threat from the idea of changing changing yes uh from that because if you are what you eat and you change what you eat then who are you who are you mm. it's, it's a piece of freight it's a piece of but people don't think that's what that phrase means but it's actually programming you yes <laughs> to think well I, if i am what i eat then i can't then how you know i don't want to change who i am necessarily yes. well unless so, you do of course yes so so, so in the, yeah. and the problem like all these group identities is that people then tend to get into us and them thinking they tend to get into um you know being very pejorative or upset with people in the other groups you know um i've been in groups where uh, vegans have been behaving very badly about carnivores and vice versa yeah um, and and um, the, the, so, th so that th those are the sort of identity-based diets, and I think that that's not an accurate. I don't, you know, you can eat a vegan diet that is wonderfully unhealthy. And, yes. <laughs> and you could eat a, a, a absolutely. A diet. Well, when when my youngest son decided to become vegetarian, I I, I did have to check that he was actually going to eat vegetables because I wasn't convinced. <laughs> It'd be more accurate to call him a, Pring, a Pringles Arian. Really. <laughs> yes, uh, a sort of yes. Um, yeah, no. You can eat a fabulously unhealthy vegan diet, although interestingly, 
you have to really, really go for it with a vegan diet to really, really sock your health. But it can be done, and people do come to harm on vegan diets. Um, people come to harm. But what's here's another thing you see. Um, what's normal, we discount the effect of. We regard the effects of Western lifestyle as just normal aging and disease profiles. Um, if everyone smoked, we'd regard chronic bronchitis and emphysema as normal signs of aging. Did you see what I'm saying? Yes, 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 okay, yes. So, so, I'm just so having another normal, light bulb moment. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, what, so what's normal we discount? You, you could yep. be living in a really, really toxic culture and everyone's getting, like, to, to take this back more into back, just to reference it back to a more psychological idea, because that is the center of gravity still with human beings. You know, if you're living in an incredibly toxic culture, uh, let's take an example where a culture has changed, where, where children are routinely beaten. Yeah. Okay. The, the effects of routinely beating children are just regarded as normal. Normal. Okay, so, so uh, or, or the, 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 the um, mismanagement of people's emotional needs in the workplace might be regarded as, is just, that's just life. That's just normal, that's what work is, that's what happens yeah. when you go to work. Or, or yes. to bring it back to this instance, you know, people are saying, oh, you know, the, <laughs> the vegan had a heart attack. But yes, look at all the conventional Western diet people who are going down with all these illnesses, which we know from the science are connected very strongly to Western lifestyle. Uh, they hardly happen outside of that context, but we just regard but it because it's we, we regard it as normal aging normal. process. And that—that's where all of these um, ideas we we need to be. That's comes back actually to to one of the the strapline on the original Human Givens book was clear thinking and emotional health. But yes. the clear thinking piece is so important, and of course, this is why the Human Givens ideas are so important for health, is that they give us, the, the Human Givens model distills beautifully all sorts of ways of avoiding confusion, of, uh, avoiding ideas that are actually just obscure as much as they reveal, and that are, you know, you know moving towards preferring ideas that are highly accurate, highly illuminating, highly enabling. And what I often say is that the human givens ideas sort of get beneath all of this rather than avoiding it. They get back to the core of what it is to be human and just sort yes. of peel away the, you know, yes. layer, you could use any metaphor you want, layers of the onion, get rid of the culture, get rid of the traditions, get rid of the expectations and look at what is a human being and what does it need to survive? Absolutely. And isn't that another phrase that's just floating around all the time? What it means to be human. human. I'll often hear that at the end of, you know, for those of us who are Radio 4 junkies, yes. you'll often hear that phrase drifting through the concluding moments of a thoughtful documentary. Yeah. And, and, and I'm often listening, thinking, I wonder if you've got a model for that. And if you have, is it as good as Joe and Ivan's model? Probably not. I do. Yeah. Although I've noticed that, that everyone's slowly catching up. Um, it's it's interesting. The need the needs met idea has definitely entered common oh, it's en yes thinking. common parlance. Yeah, absolutely. But what's lacking is the clarity of what that those mm. those lists of needs are. Mm. It almost comes back to what I was saying about food. You know, we get so much by evolutionary history. What we desired and what we needed were the same things. Uh, we're not any longer in that situation. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah, and the and the and the side of things that I like to promote is our resources because we're sort of taught to be a little bit helpless somehow, and yet we have Absolutely. that inner. I know it's you know everyone now talks about resilience yes. and how to build it. Well, it is in there within us. That's yes. the thing that I yes. like to remind people. Yes. Um, Anyway, another question. It's easy to get addicted to the wrong foods, but diet and exercise regimes can also be addictive. Yes. How can we prevent this addictive state from happening and learn to live our lives in balance? Well, there's a lovely answer to, to that, particularly with the exercise. It's very clear. It's, you know, your emotional needs need to be met in balance. If you've if you if you're if you, if you actually are refocusing your attention or you have got your emotional needs met in balance, it's much less likely that you're going to develop an addictive pattern around anything. I think that fundamental model that um, we learn in the Human Givens model overall is actually a good one. Um, so I think people would be very unlikely to become addicted to exercise if they felt 
um, let's say, sufficiently safe and or if they had other sources of stretching and meaning in their life, just to sort of pick a couple, a couple sort of. uh, And so social connection and yeah intimate connection to another person this is another thing about exercise you know um we know that people that exercise out of doors um there's a really interesting thing uh they talk more to the person they're with and that's a clue really Uh, most human activities were undertaken in groups Um, Uh, and and what we call exercise is really just a kind of way of trying to remind ourselves to be active um, so exercise is much less likely to become addictive and be part of a life in which you're meeting your needs if it's part of a social activity in some way. Yeah. Yeah. The, solitary, yeah. the solitary person pounding the pavements with their iPod on, that may be part of a balanced life, but it also might not be. Yes. <laughs> if, if their whole life is being surrounded by people, then yeah. heading There's out that, alone for a bit is the privacy aspect. That's the privacy that they need. Yeah. And, and, and particularly in nature, that may give, give them a sound, profound sense of reconnection back to something they need. So you're none of these things, and I think that's, that's really um, key to these, you know, avoiding black and white thinking is a general important thing in health. You know, um, we, we, we're, um, you know, we need to get away from this, it's good for me, it's bad for me, uh, kind of total dichotomy. Things are better and worse. <laughs> Things are more or less balanced. <laughs> and things, are, things need to be put in context. Yes. You know, the person running alone with headphones on yeah, yeah, might yeah. have spent all day alone or might have spent all day in a room full of people. So Absolutely. depending on the context, it's a good or a bad. Or, but you might you say, get a bit of a clue using... from their face. I mean, I, I know somebody yeah. who runs past here quite regularly. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> miserable. And you see other people and they're clearly having a lovely time. Yes. Yeah. So that yes, I I watched uh, the the Hampstead Heath cold waters the the Lido Lido swimming ah, thing. Yes. Did you see that? And I that's what I got from that was that there it's a community. Yes, it's very. It was very rare to see someone just in on their own. Yes, or even if they arrived on their own, they were chatting away to someone quite quickly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that yeah, was yeah. a prime example of exercise that is also yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think one who was a Taylor by trade yeah. he was sort of interviewed saying if I can't wait to get there and if I don't manage to get there one day it really affects my mm. my mood yeah well I think we really have covered this the high sugar or calorie content why is that a comfort food and is it bad for us Ooh. well I, I'm not sure if we well it, maybe we didn't it, cover it, it. no it, is it bad for our health and well-being yeah well, the, I, I think the honest answer is that so far I've not found out precisely why these um, high, high available, quick release carbohydrate foods are comforting. But what's, what's interesting about them is that they tend, there's a, there was a very elegant study looking at next day mood uh, in teenagers uh, with different foods consumed. And although they, they register as comforting, um, I think it's because just simply of the quickly available calories, um, they have a kind of um, emotion deadening effect. Um, and uh, any eating stimulates the vagus nerve, which tends to relax us. Um, but um, what we know is that next day, eating processed carbohydrate and junk foods is associated with lower mood the next day, whereas eating um, unprocessed plant foods, specifically in that study, it was vegetables and fruits. Next day, people had a much stronger sense that they were thriving, that they were enjoying their life. And what was um, that put down to? Was there a... Well, it seemed that the, the, the study was designed to try and show, you know, day by day fluctuations in mood according to what was being eaten. That was, that was the aim of the study. So um, it, it did indeed demonstrate that. So the comfort foods uh, probably originally in our natural state would have been like sort of the homely staples, the, yes. the, 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 the tubers, the bulbs, the, the kind of the seed foods that were, would have been the sort of fallback um, you know, so do you in, think the, the, they're, they are comforting in that it means you're at home and everything's okay? Who knows? I think the honest mm. answer there is we don't know. But what we do know is that, is, is that in their modern format, you know, as junk food, as, as ice cream, as cookies, as, um, as, as, you know, all of that, 
um, then what we know is that next day your mood will be deteriorated. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so may, uh, which can, of course, set up that cycle of exactly. better have another bun. Yes. Yes. So, so I, can't, I can't give you the nuts and bolts. Uh, one day I might be able to, but not just now. Uh, but but, um, but there, is a, there is a paradoxical effect. Yeah. It's a bit, so like a, bit, a bit like alcohol then. Exactly, is that is what a you, good example. Yeah. Sugar, yes. alcohol and quick release refined carbohydrates all have this kind of hangover. And rebound slump as well, just from because the insulin rebound, you get a low blood sugar an hour or two later from very sugary foods. Yeah. So you're kind of putting yourself onto... So to me, that is an archetypal example of where a, an innate instinct is being mismet in the modern environment. Because... Because traditionally it would have been well, sparse and occasional. I think it's probably an, a reasonable assumption that as you would have done that in an Aboriginal lifestyle, it wouldn't necessarily have had the same downside, perhaps, because there's an instinct. It must be there for a good reason. Yeah. Yeah. Anyhow, mm. so we can only hypothesize on that one, yeah. but we do but, know that it, it But it is, it is therefore bad. Effect. To answer yeah. the question, it is bad yeah. for our health yeah, and well-being. Exactly. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of helpful advice about health and nutrition but some people still really struggle to change their food diet and exercise patterns why do you think that is and what would your advice be for them well, the, well on the exercise i think it's the uh, motivational triad we all we all have an instinct to conserve energy and actually any habit takes two to three weeks to form there's generally a, a, a period of just having to plug on with exercise while you're not necessarily feeling all the rewards and haven't got into the habit yet. So, and also we tend to miss the important components of exercises that they should have meaning and they should be socially con contextualized. You know, yes. just going on a treadmill isn't really, is, is hard to motivate yourself to do. Whereas actually, if you've decided to join a club of some kind, people, you know, you, there's that kind of thing, well, I better show up. They're expecting me to be yeah. there as well as just the social benefits of, of going. Um, on the food side, I think there are slightly different challenges, but there's a big social dimension. Um, there's identity, there's, there's, there's the fact that often people are sharing housing and f catering arrangements in King, yep. either in the family or in the group. Uh, and, uh, you know, unless everyone wants to change at the same time, or there's a very relaxed attitude around people eating different stuff, that's harder. Um, I, you know, I think and also, I think there's an element, um, this again is not scientifically proven, but it's the working hypothesis amongst microbiome researchers that the, the microbiome you've got, which is of course results from, the, from what you've been eating in the preceding weeks and months and years, that that microbiome um, has pr almost certainly evolved to order its dinner. Because uh -huh, our yes. food food. Yeah. Okay, so so not only are there all these innate desires, fat, salt, sugar. We we you know we want to have we're 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 survive, You know, going back in our ancestry, we're here because our ancestors survived famines. We 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 want to make take advantage of the bonanzas. Uh, you know, the high available carbohydrates, the high available fat, the high available protein foods. Because you know, who knows when they're going to show up again? Well, the answer is at the next meal. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Now, now the answer is anytime you want it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, 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 uh, so you've got that that you're having to work against, and and essentially how to overcome that is going to depend on what each person's motivation and context actually is, what they want to achieve, and whether they've got a sort of psychological preference for incremental change or whether they're a hell for leather person. Yeah. Um, and yeah. and so all of this needs to be worked out. If, if, on the individual level, you need to know what kind of person you are. And also, what problem are you trying to solve? And I, I was going to say, have it, it's having a positive goal. Yeah. So rather than saying, yes. I want to lose weight, perhaps say, yes. I want to be able to run 100 miles or whatever it is, you know. I, I want to feel lighter, healthier and stronger. Yes. Um, the, the, there's, a, there's an interesting, you know, I want to feel lighter, healthy and stronger. I want to have more productive years ahead of me. Mm. So it's I looking want, to the gains rather than the losses. Be, I want to be able to play football with my grandchildren. Yeah. These are strong motivators. If you're not yet ill, 
I mean, people, the, the, the great thing about being really ill is that it can be a motivator for, for massive change. You know, I've had, uh, it's, a, it's a nice story. I had this guy uh, come in and see me. He wasn't, this is a general practice story. This guy was not normally my patient. He happened to come and see me because I was the duty doctor. And he was at the end of the road in terms of treatment options for his coronary artery disease. And um, I said to him, I did what was needed for the day. There was some specific medical stuff to do. And I said, look, um, I'd like to share some information with you because I feel uncomfortable not letting you know this. And I, I told him essentially all the data to do with eating a very high, you know, pretty much uh, whole food plant-based exclusively diet and the trial data on what effect that has on heart disease. And he was absolutely furious, this guy. I am a carnivore. Oh, I see. Oh, I am a carnivore, he said. He literally said that. He was very red in the face already, but he went quite a lot redder and, and was very angry with me. And I said, well, look, okay, I'm just, I'm going to write down the name of a book. I'm going to suggest a couple of websites. You are free to do exactly as you choose. You can, you, you, I'm not telling you what to do here. I just would like you to have this information available to you in case you would like to look at it. And I didn't see this guy for three or four years. He showed up again. Oh. And uh, I didn't recognize him for one thing. He was so much healthier. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And he said, I'm so grateful to you. You've completely changed my life. So, so the interesting thing is when the chips are really down, and even when people maybe appear to be putting up a lot of resistance, when the stakes are very high, some people can make big changes. Yes. So what's the problem you're trying to solve? Are you looking down the barrel of a gun at your life really coming to an end quite soon because they've run out of treatment options for your heart disease? <laughs> Or are you a reasonably uh, fit and slightly overweight 30-something-year-old who just doesn't feel they've quite got their health in balance? These are different contexts, completely different questions. Yeah, and therefore the motivational level is different. The, 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 the types of motivation, what are the positive, achievable, and needs-based goals that you might be looking to try and meet are going to be very different. Yeah. And so the, ob the obstacles that you're trying to overcome show up looking rather differently. Uh, but, but broadly, they are around habit, sort of ingrained patterns that your physiology is expecting, cultural identity and social identity and group relationships. Those are the big barriers to overcome. And just technical skill. And the, and the key thing when, when, we're try, when we're helping someone is to find out what those are. Yeah, yeah. So exactly. get the context. Yes. You know, not, not just have someone come in saying they want to lose yeah. a bit of weight and not find out why and what the motivators yes. are. What would that mean to you? What have you tried already? The classic, yeah. classic good therapist question. What have you tried already? How did it work? How did it go? What was good and less good about that? What was your experience? What do you want to achieve? Um, working out with them, what skills are missing? What information are they missing? Uh, all of these things, they are transferable from talking therapy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, now, here's, here's a one that's uh, really just lots of excuses, probably, but time and money <laughs> seem to be a factor, which comes yeah. up a lot. Apologies to the person who sent it in. <laughs> time and money seem to be a factor, which comes up a lot. Yes. And people are looking at changing daily activities. So fast food yes. is convenient. Um, eating healthily is expensive. I would argue yes. with that one. But yeah. uh, working long hours, don't have time, look yes. after kids, can't afford to join a gym. You know, th yeah. these are all justifications for not doing something. So it, it it's kind of what's your mood? You know, it's again it's the context is very said. different. The yeah. person that's working all hours and is uh, you know on 150k and not seeing their family and not exercising and eating badly. You know, there's a good conversation to be had there about meeting emotional and other needs yeah. and balance. Yes, yes. And what's the purpose of life? The, the person on minimum wage in overcharged rented accommodation, having to work two jobs just to begin to pay the bills, who's also having to go to a food bank, it's a different story. However, what, 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 is, what is kind of uh, really, um, we can say kind of with confidence, is that actually the most health-promoting diets are essentially um, versions uh, they're, they're good and more diverse versions of peasant diets. Okay, yes. they're based on remarkably cheap foods. They're based on whole grains, pulses, 
some seeds and nuts, vegetables of all kinds and fruits of all kinds. And the vegetables and the fruits aren't so cheap, but some of the most health promoting vegetables on the planet are incredibly cheap. Red cabbage, kale, uh, you know, uh, these aren't expensive foods. Lentils are dirt cheap. Uh, Beans are really cheap. Whole grains are cheap. What's missing is the sense, you know, that, you know, so so actually you can eat a, a very, very optimally health promoting diet for the same or less than you're already spending for most people. There are unfortunately now uh, a good number of people, an appreciable minority of people who would struggle anyway, simply for financial reasons, uh, which is a tragedy, a collective, a collective failure. But, but, but for most of us, you can afford to eat healthily. And the trick is not to be bamboozled by people trying to sell you expensive sort of, you know, oh, buy this, it's got this in it. Yes. But actually just remember the simple rules. It's, a, it's, a, yeah, it's a wide variety of unprocessed plant foods that keep you healthy and yeah. they needn't yeah. be expensive. Yeah. yeah. So, so in time. Yeah. And, and time that's cultural as well, isn't it? There's yeah. this sort of cultural belief that the sort of fast foods are cheaper than going to the, you know, going and get, getting fish and chips is cheaper than going to the shop to yeah. buy some vegetables. Whereas in my head that it, it isn't. It, it may appear cheaper. They are cheap. <laughs> Yeah, they are cheap, but they're not necessary. You could, you could eat better for the same money. Yeah, and for most people, that's true. Yes. And what's missing are, uh, are shopping and cooking skills and just background knowledge, um, and a willingness to change. Yeah, and some people are going to be game for that. And there are skills and projects. A lot of people are making good inroads into doing this very successfully. There's a project in Bristol called Kitchen on Prescription, which does a beautiful job of getting people out of their uh, sort of previous comfort zone and into a healthier one around food. Yeah. Lovely. Yes. I think there's something similar in Edinburgh actually. Yeah. It's, it's, it's more and more widespread that kind of approach. Yeah. And they're always groups, you see. Yes. So it's achieving that as well. Yeah. Yeah. You can see the other person rather like you and they're also learning. Yeah. Yeah. Key Mm. actually learning in groups, isn't it? Yeah. So, now, which uh, brings us on to the technology thing. Uh, it oh. is, we're living in this digital world where everything is just one click away. Yes. We perhaps don't need to go and meet people even to buy our food. So yes. is technology bad for our mental and physical health? Or are there pros and cons? Well, there's got to be pros and cons, aren't there? I mean, I think, I think that, that, that the modern tech has, has made... Um, you know, uh, you can now, it's easier to find things out. Unfortunately, a lot of what you find out is <laughs> either deliberately or unknowingly misleading. Uh, but, you know, it's easy to find information. It's easy to find communities of like-minded people, at least online. Uh, there have been some advantages. I think people in very specific circumstances have had their lives massively improved. People with rare diseases, if they get into they find people who've successfully dealt with those situations online. They would have never met them before the internet. Yeah. So those are the kind of, I would say, the, um, the counter examples. But I think largely tech is distracting us uh, from meeting our social and physical needs in their most optimal and efficient and kind of elegant ways. You know, the, the fact that it goes back almost to this time thing, you know, the telly in the old days and now your smartphone or your computer, I can speak from personal experience as well on this, can consume uh, an astonishing amount of your time. And all that time you're physically inactive and you may well be getting mildly stressed or even very yes. stressed. Very stressed, um, yes. Yeah. And, and there's no physical activity to discharge that stress, so your body is preparing constantly for a physical challenge. The fight and flight is a preparation for intense physical challenge, and nothing's happening. You're just sat there. It's, yeah. it, it, so, so I think by, by making us inactive, by, by just, just taking our attention away from what's real and there and proximate to us, the people, the things, the places, and the other creatures and plants around us, you know, we're, we're so some people are intolerable and in horrible situations and it's nice to have that distraction. And it, we all like to go into a dream from time to time, but it's too, yes. become too easy. It's, so, the story, it's the storytelling 
yes. uh, tent, isn't it? But yes. not if it's yeah. there so, all the time. So I think um, there are specific tools and there's specific information out there which we can use very elegantly now with tech. But on the whole, I don't think it's had, uh, you know, it's not revolutionized human health on the no, uh, overall. No. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, here's a biggie. Uh, sometimes mental health problems can also come with physical health or can yes. lead to in, indeed such as aches and pains and uh, more more clear. Gosh, that's quite a big one. And, that's a um, big question. <laughs> it might yes. almost be a topic for another day um, yes. because, uh, you know, this is this feeds into all this new understanding of depression. Um, yes, the, inflammation and essentially, the um, just very briefly, because we need to remember that we're integrated wholes. You know, while we are incarnate, we are incarnate. We are in the flesh. We are in our bodies. Our consciousness is integrated into that system. You know, the emotions are embodied experiences, and so all of that. You know, there's there are very few conditions which don't get reflected in the supposed other system. Yeah. You know, um, there's there's always an an emotional component to an illness, regardless of whether it's arising primarily in the thinking and imagination, or whether it's originating most powerfully in the body. Um, but you know, to take an example of like you know an inflammatory condition like rheumatoid arthritis, we know that 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 makes you more prone to depression because depression features inflammation in the brain as uh, well as the body and the sleep disturbance and the stress responses from the rumination accentuate that yeah. so we should we should probably um, expect there to be a reflection uh, you know it changes across the board rather than being surprised when we actually notice them <laughs> yes it'd be <laughs> surprising if it wasn't if, it would if be they weren't connected. Yes. 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 The onus the onus is on the physical condition to prove that it's actually separate. But yes. I'd like to see it try. <laughs> yes. I, I, I rather like the sort of um Buddhist way of thinking with uh you know, if you're injured, you fall and break an arm or something. Yes. They the they talk of the darts of suffering, don't they? So the initial dart mm -hmm. is the actual break. Yes. But thereafter, you're adding suffering because you're yes. scared or you're yes. angry or you're worried about the fact that you can't work next week or, you know, all those yes. other things we, come we, into play. So that's the yes. emotional side. Well, and, 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 and guided by the emotions, the brain focuses more and more on those patterns that go with the emotions of fear, hurt, um, kind of, um, you know, please make it go away. Yeah. And, 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 and so those emotional states, uh, then, you know, the imagination starts to get going. And, uh, you know, we all know, particularly in the human givens model, that endless suffering can be generated and yes. rehearsed and yeah. uh, reiterated in the imagination. Yeah. 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 So very much the, uh, the, the topic of another podcast. Yes, please. I'll, I'll yeah, be well, inviting I... you back. <laughs> Sorry, I'd be happy to come. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> well, there's a final question, Andrew. What yes. would be your top tips to help us activate a healthy mind and body? Oh, right. Well, it, it probably goes back to the, to the three E's. Move around a lot and preferably having fun or doing something meaningful with other people. Uh, eat, eat more plants, more variety and more of them, less processing and, um, and meet your emotional needs in balance. Lovely. I, I think I think that those are the three big things. Yes. Um, so the, the and three, and the three uh, yes. Within that, that gives you a lot of scope and a lot of imagination to do things in endlessly interesting and individual ways. Uh, but that's the core pattern. I think. Lovely. And yeah. is there anything else you'd like to add before I wrap up this podcast? Well, well, I don't. I don't think so. I could. I mean, as you can probably tell, I could. I could. We could talk all day. Uh, it's been. It's yes. been nice to. It's been nice to have this conversation and actually to have the new ideas that have emerged from it, as they always do when two yes. get together. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's great, isn't it? Yes. Well, thanks so much. It's been brilliant. Yes, and you know we have managed to cover a lot. But it's really the tip of the iceberg. I, really? I can't uh, recommend your mind-body training day, connection training day enough because uh, that was so information-packed. And I actually remember my head kind of reeling 
in a good way. <laughs> pleasantly, pleasantly exploding. And as I said earlier, it did significantly change the way I thought about exercising and eating. And yeah. I am, yeah, touch wood, feeling pretty healthy at the moment. So and that's hopefully, all you know, good. And hopefully, as with all of the, our human givens activity, in a more enabling and, and optimistic kind of way. Yeah. Totally, yes. Yeah. And plus, I have must say, it's helped uh, when I'm working with clients. You know, oh, having good. that okay. extra understanding about the mind-body yeah. connection yeah, has it, really helped. Yes. So thank, thank you so much. Now, if any listeners would like to know more and also get the opportunity to meet and chat with Andrew, you can attend his one-day workshop, which is called The Mind-Body Connection. It's coming to London on the 11th of July and also the 31st of October this year. Now, it's always very well attended, so do make sure you place your booking early. Uh, you can do so by calling the office, which is 01323811690, or you can visit humangivens.com forward slash college. We hope this podcast has helped you to more fully understand and appreciate why having both a healthy mind and a healthy body matters so much. And I must just add, actually, athletes really know this now. Mm -hmm. Healthy mind, healthy body is what gives them the optimum prowess. What would the word be, Andrew? Yes. Uh, I like prowess. Let's Let's finish with prowess. Prowess. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Andrew. That's brilliant. And to all our listeners, until next time, bye for now.